Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, indeed. On this rainy, rainy, rainy day. Really, really wet. Really wet. <laughs> Julie Weishorn's with us from the University of Minnesota. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Staying dry? Just barely. Barely is right. Yeah, it is. It's, it's been raining all night. We always welcome our listeners uh, questions either by phone or by text, and uh, we'll get. Well, why don't I just give the number now? Because I have a question for you. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. That applies both to the call and to your text, and we've already got a bunch of those. Awesome. Is this? Is there? <laughs> I mean, it's you. You and your colleagues have always said, "Well, here it is. This time of year, make sure all your shrubs are watered. Yeah, Don't forget yeah, to yeah. water them." Not a problem. I mean, is this? Is there a bright side to this? Well, that is true because it does, uh, you know, it is still soaking in the ground because our yeah, soil's not frozen. That's right. So, so yeah, more water. This will be great for evergreens and uh, and and also the other. If you planted trees, if you're planting trees and shrubs this year, this is terrific. You don't have to be out there watering. Yeah, that is that that side is good. Uh, again, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Is there a downside to this at all? Well, uh, yes. I mean, some of it is just excessive amount of rain uh, washing out soil if it's mm. if it's not protected. Um, also, you just can't get out to do what you need to do. You can't get out there and rake the leaves, and you can't, uh, you know, you can't be out there doing any kind of, you know, it's hard to plant bulbs in this kind of weather. Or so even mowing plant, or mowing, yeah, yeah, exactly. So when you do have a nice day, like tomorrow, we're gonna have a nice day, you know, and. Uh, hopefully you can get out there and do some of those tasks. Yeah, that's that's what uh, a lot of us are looking forward to. Um, here's a text, and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of spaced out here, so okay. let me do this. All right. Uh, this is for Julie. Uh, thought I might jump the gun on future Creeping Charlie questions. For, the, for those people who are adverse to using pesticides, I'm finding, Texter says, let me just scroll up here. That a weekly monitoring of Creeping Charlie's presence in the lawn while I mow is the best solution. Upon completing my mowing, I then go back to the Creeping Charlie spots, and with my little trowel, I dig out the weed by the roots to prevent okay. it spreading. It has worked to prevent it spread <clears throat> Excuse me, throughout my yard. Well, at the same time, I watch the expansion of this weed on the border of my neighbor's yard. Takes diligence, but I seem to be winning without pesticides. This is not a novel idea, Texter says, but it is worth repeating. So this texter is is dedicated to uh, eliminating the creeping Charlie, and they're putting in their own, you know, elbow grease to do that, which is absolutely one way that I, I really think that that's at the heart of actually caring for gardens is to be out there monitoring and and dealing with pests and understanding. You know how to uh, how to get rid of uh, weeds and insects that are not beneficial, and how to take care of your plants. You've got to be an active gardener. You have to be out in a landscape. You can't just plant a plant and walk away. You've got to be taking care of it. 
Uh, it's an active, growing ecosystem. And like this gardener, uh, you've got to be out there taking care of it. The mowing of weeds. Sam always said uh, that the mowing of weeds is one of the easier ways to take care of weeds in your lawns. Keep them mowed down. And uh, it knocks the flowers off. And it cuts back some of that um, photosynthetic material, the leaves and the stems, so that you can actually uh, kind of maybe deplete some of that energy that's going down into those roots. Texter wants to know, is it too late to plant grass seed? No, actually, uh, but I would hold off until the soil freezes. Um, make, right it a, now, make it a Yeah, dormancy. right now we're looking at dormant seeding. And usually in Minnesota we say first week of November, early November or mm-hmm. so for that. So you can just kind of hang on to that seed for the moment. And uh, and put it down when that soil freezes. And the problem with doing it now, possibly, is it'll start growing exactly. and then it'll freeze and it'll die. Exactly. All right. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, by all means, if you'd like to phone it in to Julie, 651-989-9226. Again, that same number applies to your text messages. Here's another one. Uh, my mandevilla is so beautiful. Can I winter this easily and successfully? So I'll speak from personal experience on this one. I overwintered a mandevilla and... One thing I know about, you have to cut it back a little bit because it's probably enormous. And unless you have a really big room for it (laughs) or plant stand, uh, you'll want to trim it back. When you do cut back mandevilla, as you might have noticed, it's got a sticky white sap. So you don't want to put it on any kind of furniture that's going to be, you know, sensitive to that or that you really care too much about. Um, You also want to note that it's going to drop a ton of leaves and it's going to do that throughout the winter. It's not going to look like it does now in your house, unless you have a high humidity room, maybe a growing room or something. So just bear that in mind. It'll go, kind of go dormant for the winter a little bit and uh, and just drop its leaves. It'll put out new leaves, but it, it's not going to be robust and beautiful like it is um, at this point. So know that, but then in the spring, get it outside, water it, get it in a sunny location and, and see if it made it through the winter. I was thinking not only when the snow is fly, flying and we were in the depths of winter, <laughs> but even on a rainy, a damp, cold kind of day, get on the university website. What yes. great reading. Yes, and I just want to put in a plug for our Yard and Garden News. It is, uh, it. I was just reading it earlier, and it is chock full of really great topics. Some of the things that you can read about is cider making in Minnesota. Hmm. Our uh, extension educator, Annie Claude, is working with uh, on a grant, a specialty crop research grant, with other uh, extension faculty and working on that uh, to study cider apples. They're different than uh, our eating apples. I wonder what the difference is. Uh, well, you can read about it, but they're, as I understand it, they're not... Apples that you would really eat. They're uh, usually kind of tart, and they have tannins, like wine grapes oh, have sure. tannins. And uh, and there's different kinds, and a lot of them are from Europe. And so we're they're they're trialing them to see and working with cideries because we do have some cideries in Minnesota to see how hardy they are. So that's one really great article. So I highly recommend you take a look at that if you have chickens. There's a wonderful article from Ann Sawyer, our extension educator in uh, food safety, on using chicken litter as compost. We have fall things to do in your yard and garden. I just wrote a, gave a short list of things people can do there. Planting bulbs, a lot of stuff on bulbs. Um, Mary Meyer is reporting on uh, um, an article or a paper that's coming out from the University of Arkansas, seeing how long do bulbs last in the landscape. 
And then uh, certainly there's a there's a great article about lawn questions from the state fair. So we're still ah. we're still rehashing that. That came from our turf group, and that's kind of interesting too. The most popular question was about lawns in shady sites. So take a look at that. The third or fourth most popular question was, "Where's the bathroom?" <laughs> <laughs> and you had to have that answer. Yeah, yeah. But you don't. I, I want to add that, that when you you if you want to visit that website, I urge you to do that. You don't have to be a master gardener to you get information not. out of that. You do not. We've written this website and we write these articles for everybody to enjoy and understand. And there's all sorts of ways that you can get in touch with us, namely through Ask a Master Gardener. Uh, and email in a question or call it in or text it into the show on Saturday Absolutely. mornings. We're here every yeah. Saturday. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of text, how can I save dahlia tubers? I don't have a cold storage area. So dahlia tubers can be saved. Uh, you want to dig them up and let them dry a little bit, uh, called curing or so, and and then put them into a, I like to put them in a paper bag because they might have a little bit of soil attached to them and put them in kind of a cooler area. It doesn't have to be in a cold storage, but it can be in a cooler area. And you can look on the Dahlia Society of Minnesota website, and they'll uh, they'll probably have other information there for you too. Okay. Hang on, Julie. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is with us here on our Lawn and Garden Show. Smart Garden, we call it, and we welcome your calls and text messages. Same number applies, 651-989-9226. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M answering your lawn or garden question. We're getting both, as yes, you can see. Yes, yes. Uh, because we can still see our lawns, albeit <laughs> rather wet. Uh, 651-989-9226. Calls are coming in. Texts as well as usual. Uh, is there anything you want to say before we get to it? Uh, just a note to follow up on the Yard and Garden. Yes. You can subscribe to that if you like to get uh, reminded of we, we put out new articles about every two weeks, even during the winter. And if you want to get reminders of that, you can subscribe to that. You can go to the Yard and Garden news page. Uh, it's right on our homepage for Yard and Garden at extension.umn.edu. Very good. I tell you what, let's do. Let's go back to the phones. I think Lowell is calling from uh, Shakopee with a question. Good morning, Lowell. Hello, Lowell. Good morning. Morning. Uh, I have a question about planting grass seed. You said wait until the ground is frozen. Right. And I'm wondering, then how do you plant the grass seed when the ground's frozen? So that's a great question. Uh, It's called dormant seeding. And basically you're putting down grass seed for next spring, to grow next spring. So you're getting a jump on a lush lawn, and and so it you just put it down. It sits on that soil or in the grass, you know, in your lawn area for the winter, and in the spring it germinates. Yeah, with luck. With luck, yes. Yeah. But you got to have that soil contact. That's right. right? Yeah. You got to seed to soil contact. Okay, there you go, Lowell. Good question. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Sandy is calling in from Invergrove Heights. Sandy, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I have a question. I have a tiger eye sumac, and it's the most beautiful shrub. But the deer ate about half of it oh, this spring. Oh, those deer. Yeah. And the other half is, I've got one branch that they didn't bother, and that's good. But I'm wondering if in the spring I can cut it way back and hope that it'll come back. Does it have any suckers around the base? Have you seen it suckering? No. Okay. Around the base, no. Well, or out into around it nearby? Yeah. Yeah, nearby there are some. Okay. So 
tigerized sumac, our native sumac, actually suckers a lot. It forms these big uh, kind of clonal areas where it's just kind of uh, expanding. And tigerized sumac has a little bit of suckering uh, tendency. And you can cut down the main branch, the main stem down to the ground, and have and allow those suckers then to grow up around that. Oh, okay. So I had that same problem this year. Mine did not make it through the winter on the top of the plant, but it was suckering up at the base, and I just cut down. I cut the main stem down to the ground, and those suckers have come up around. They're small, but they'll they'll grow fast, as you know. Yeah, and. uh, okay, so the main the main branch in it is probably about four or five inches around. Right. And I, yeah, so I can cut it down that far. You can cut it down that far. Great. All right, Sandy. That's a great plant. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. There's a line open if you'd like to fill it. Again, that that number applies to your text messages too. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Here's one. Uh, do older maple trees put out a toxin? through their root system that kills grass. They do not. Uh, you might be thinking of a black walnut. Black walnut has a, a condition called alleliopathy, and it's kind of like a survival of the fittest type of, um, it's a toxin that, that juglone plants, that's the, uh, the type of plant, the genus of that plant, and uh, juglins is the genus, juglone is the chemical it puts out. But maple trees do not, and chances are if you haven't had success in growing grass under a maple tree, especially an older maple tree, it's too shady. And so you can mulch that area and then interplant it with shade perennials, hostas, tiarella, hookera, etc. Or you can try to grow a shady lawn mix under that tree. I would recommend the former. I'm a big fan of mulching under those and don't try to grow grass, especially under maple trees that are mature because you have these big roots that are coming out and they're spreading out and you can tend to damage those if you have to mow the grass around those roots. Also, it's just kind of a big hassle to try to grow grass in shade like that. So I prefer the mulching, protects the roots, put in some nice perennials and you're ready to go. I know it's, it, it, it really is any time of the year is a good time to visit the uh, Arboretum. Oh, yeah. What's going on there now? Do you know? Well, they have all sorts of classes, and that's one thing that on days like this <laughs> yeah, and wintry weather that's coming up, taking classes and getting educated about your gardens and things you want to do is a great thing to do in the off-season of gardening. So I know I'm teaching a couple classes. I'm teaching plant selection. I'm teaching house plant patrol. But there are lots of other fantastic uh, instructors out there who are going to be teaching classes throughout the winter. So look up the Arboretum site. Pick a class that you like. Ask for it for Christmas. You can do that, too, or for Hanukkah or holiday. And uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, enjoy kind of thinking about spring and planning because it comes fast. It, it Winter seems does. to last a long time, but spring is right around the corner probably. <laughs> Here's a text, Julie. Thank you for that. We'll remind our listeners of that. Uh, but by the way, as far as getting there, for those that have never been, and yes. once you go there, you're going to want to keep going back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, just west on Highway 5. West on Highway 5 past uh, 41. 41. Yeah, and, and when the weather is nice, and we'll have nice weather, the wa- the colors are beautiful out there. Take some of the off, kind of the great paths through the woods. and Bring go your down camera. To the bog, bring or your, your phone. Camera. Yeah, bring your kids. Yeah, it's great. All right. Texter says this, Julie, I burn my grass with fertilizer. Can I seed over that? 
You can seed over that, and I would do the dormant seeding. I would put that down. You might want to, when it dries out, you might want to do a little raking to rake up that uh, dead grass and get it out of there and get some of that seed to soil contact that we talk about. So, but but wait until wait to do the dormant seeding. Okay. Uh, by the way, the text number again is uh, the phone number as well six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Here's a thank you uh, from a listener. Thanks for the tips on burning bush after the rough last winter. We <laughs> trimmed the dead part, yeah. and the rest looks pretty good after just uh, having leaves at the. Uh, Bottom. You save them. Love your program. <laughs> Thank you. That's a pretty resilient. <laughs> uh, that's a great reminder to protect your plants from animal browsing through the winter. And it's you could you could be doing that right now, even with damp soil. Uh, you want to run at least a four foot high fence around plants like a burning bush or uh, arborvitae or apple trees. Any kind of thin bark tree, crab apples, apple trees, um, willows, and uh, and you and you want to use a hardware cloth, and so that has tiny little squares. It's pretty sturdy, and bury that bottom of that fencing a few inches down in the ground. Cut a little trench and set that down in the ground uh, so that the animals can't climb underneath it. And you want to protect those plants. Last year we did that, but we had so much snow that people were adding onto the top of their four-foot pieces of Mm. wire. So the taller, the better, if you can. Um, But that's a great great reminder to do that. And you could be doing that now. I do that with my blueberry shrubs. I protect them every winter. So All right. Julie, we need to take our usual uh, bottom-of-the-hour break here. If we have another half hour of the show to go, so if you want to call in your lawn or garden question or send a text, again, that number is the same, 651-989-9226. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday here on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, Julie Weisenhoff is with us from the U- University of Minnesota. And, uh, boy, what do we have? Lots of texts. Lots of texts. But we also have a phone call <laughs> yeah. uh, from Lake Crystal. I think Bruce is uh, calling in. Uh, Bruce, good morning. What's your question, please? Good morning. Sure. Enjoy your program. Thank you. We raise uh, chickens for butchering. And this year, of course, has been so wet that they've had to be inside so much. Um, during the rain and so on. So the, the wood shavings get very uh, well fertilized. Yeah. <laughs> and wonder, wondering if I can use them if I till that into the garden. And only typically don't say use wood chips in the garden. You know, I'm going well, the wood chips, yeah, wood chips are carbon, and wood chips will uh, absorb and uh, kind of take up nitrogen from the soil, which can be detrimental to some plant growth. I think what what I'd recommend is that you take a look at the article in the Yard and Garden News blog uh, because it's about exactly that. It's going to give you some good information on composting that chicken litter on, or on using the new chicken litter and whether you can till it in. And so that's at our extension site at extension.umn.edu. And go to Yard and Garden, and it's one of the articles on the Yard and Garden blog. It's really good. It's by Ann Sawyer. She's one of our extension educators. She has a Ph.D. in soil science, and she works with food safety. So this is, and she's a chicken owner. So this ah. is right up her, right up your alley, I <laughs> think, <Cooper>. Bruce. <laughs> uh, good deal. Thank you, Bruce, for the call. Uh, we've been getting a couple of questions here and there about uh, lawns. One of which, and I think you've addressed it already, is uh, is seeding, dormant seeding. Uh, but a question from a texter is talking about using a pre-emergent that would kill the new seed. That happens, right? That's right. Yeah, pre-emergent is a, a, a 
design is an herbicide designed to kill seeds. So it would be used if you have a lot of annual weeds like crabgrass or uh, winter annuals like henbit, something like that. But you would never seed your put down grass seed and a pre-emergent at the same time because obviously then the grass seed won't grow. So, um, yeah, you want to avoid that. I would think pre-emergent would be more in the spring then. Right, oh, yeah. right, and not be seeding your lawn yes, at the time. That's for sure. Yeah, so you would want to dormant seed your lawn in November, let that grass germinate in the spring, and then put your pre-emergent down. Okay. So after it germinates, after the seed germinates, you're in the clear. Dexter wants to know what's the difference between Creeping Charlie and Jenny. Nothing. <laughs> creeping Charlie and Creeping Jenny is kind of the same, I think. Oh, okay. I think, as far as I know. If anybody knows differently. Let us know, because we do have smart <laughs> listeners, too. <laughs> Let's talk to uh, Judy, who's calling from Maple Grove. Hi, Judy. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. I have a question. I have a burning bush that is now about 20 years old. It was a cute little bush when I planted it, and now it's <laughs> kind of a small tree. I think the diameter is about 12 inches. Wow. And I'm just, you know, I hate to just remove it, but... I kind of feel like I have to, but I'm wondering if there's some way to just trim it down really far, and do you think it would come back, or do I just need to remove it, and if so, when's a good time to do it? Well, I think it's going to depend on if there's any branches at the bottom that might grow up if you take out the main trunk and you've got lower branches that are growing. Uh, that could grow up then um, when the trunk is gone, but I, I kind of think it would look pretty lousy. And I would opt for a new plant. There's a lot of great new plants out there. And if you've had something for 20 years, it's kind of like having a pair of shoes for 20 years. You love them, but it's time for a new pair. <laughs> so I like shoes, too, as well as gardening. Comfortable. But, uh, yeah, so I think I would probably see about replacing it with something else. All right, Judy, thank you for the call. There's a white fly question, uh, Julie. My neighbor and I have had a white fly epidemic. The underneath sides oh, yeah. of tomato, squash, and pumpkin leaves are just covered with the bugs. Have tried various vegetable garden sprays, but hard to hit the bottom side of every leaf. Will they be gone over the winter, or will they become a problem next year? So I took a look at our uh, What Insect Is This? It's a diagnostic tool on our Extension Yard and Garden page. And I looked up white flies, and they do not survive winter. So you are in the clear for next year. Oh, good. Uh, Texter also wants to know, what is the best way to winter my caladium? A caladium is a tender bulb. And so I would, I would do kind of similar to what the, the dahlias that we talked about earlier, and that would be to dig it up. Uh, you can wait till the, the leaves die back, till they get hit by a little bit of cold. Dig it up uh, and put it in it. Let it kind of dry out. Put it in a dry place. Let it dry out, and then just put it into a paper bag. Uh, you could also put any bulbs like that into some peat moss and just moisten it ever so slightly, and just check those periodically. In the spring, you're going to want to or late winter. You're going to want to take those out and pot them up, and get them in a sunny window so that you have a kind of a jump start on the spring. So when you get them outside, they have some decent growth on them. We had a comment or a question earlier about a mandevilla, or mandevilla, as you said. A mandevilla. Uh, good morning. It says, I've wintered my mandevilla plant for over 10 years, <laughs> cut back and store in a heated 45 degrees, and it is beautiful every year. I now have four in my collection. So she, so this, uh, he or she, he or she. Uh, cuts this back and stores it in a 45-degree hmm. place. So I have a garage that's about 45 degrees through the winter. 
I store lots of plants in there. They go dormant. They look lousy. You tuck them under back in a corner uh, where it's dark and then take them out in the spring. So, yes, you can do it that way as well. Okay. Excellent. Uh, 651-989-9226. That's the same number for text or phone calls. Uh, here's a text too, Julie. It says, I have a plantain and clover that has spread through my lawn this summer. Is it too late to spray for that? If not, what's the best uh, spray to use? Thank you. Well, clover has an advantage because it serves our bee population uh, with healthy nectar and uh, also pollen. So I am a fan of clover in my yard, and, uh, and I would recommend considering that before you kill it. It also is in the legume family, and legumes have a very unique uh, purpose that benefits other plants around them, whereas they can fix nitrogen and release that and make that available for other plants through their root system. So there are a couple good things about clover, um, but I think uh, if you're uh, dead set on getting rid of it, then I would say, uh, like the previous person did, I would mow it, I would dig it up, and uh, if you're... If you're going to treat it, you could treat it now um, with a broadleaf herbicide. Mm-hmm. And the same is with the plantain. Plantains are actually pretty easy to dig up. So if, you know, unless you have an acre of plantains, I would probably go ahead and just dig those up. They're pretty easy to do. And then I would reconsider the clover. I would maybe think about, you know, that it might be possible to be actually generating a bee lawn, something that's bee friendly. All right. Good thinking. Let's go back to the phones, Julie. Vicki is calling in from uh, Maple Plain, I believe. Good morning, Vicki. How can we help you? Hi, good morning. Uh, my peonies didn't do much this year, and uh, I'm just wondering, I cut them back last year. When should I cut them back? Well, you can cut them back as soon as they'll die back now. They're probably looking pretty uh, pretty sad right now anyway, but you can just you can just cut them back, let them die back to the ground, and then cut off the dead on the plant. If they didn't perform well... Uh, my first question would be is, have you moved them lately? Have they performed well in the past, and have yes. you moved them lately? So if same you... Same place they've been for years. They're in the same place. Okay. So you may want to look around and see if, uh, because they've been in that location for a long time, has the shade increased? You know, as a tree or a shrub nearby, is it shading them more? That would That would decrease some of the bloom. Uh, they may need to be divided. They're very big, meaty roots. Very, uh, they go quite a ways deeper than you would imagine a peony would. Um, the trick with peonies is if you do dig them up and divide them, you want to do that and you want to replant them at about an inch and a half deep. That's very particular because if you plant them too deeply, they will not bloom. Uh, the other thing I would look at too is has the soil over your peony plants uh, increased in some way? Have you added more topsoil? Have you added a lot of mulch that's broken down? So in other words, you've You've deepened where those roots are, and you've got to get them. They, they need to be about an inch and a half. So we have some information on peonies on our extension site, and you can take a look at that publication, and that is at extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden. You can just Google peonies, UMN, and it'll pop up as well. Excellent. Thanks, Vicki. Uh, texter wants to know, can I cut back my hanging fern and keep it over the winter? Uh, I don't think ferns actually respond well to being cut back. Uh, It's been my experience that uh, their fronds die back naturally as they rejuvenate with new ones. 
Uh, but you don't want to like hack back and give a big haircut to that fern. You're gonna really, it's gonna really lose its form. So you can overwinter it though. You can bring it indoors and put it in a in a nice window, sunny window. It does like a fern stand, so you might want to buy a plant stand for it that allows those fronds to hang freely. Yeah, very good. Back to the phones we go. Joni's calling in from Edina this morning. Uh, uh, Joni, good morning. How can we help you? Uh, yes, I was calling. I have. Um kind of large iris, uh, variegated, and I have a huge dandelion right in the middle of them. Okay. (laughs) What do I do? Well, um, you can do a couple things. You can just try to pull up that dandelion and, you know, get in there and work around it. Uh, You might, you know, might pull up some of the iris leaves, but it should... Probably, if it got in there, you should be able to get it out with that, too. The other thing, too, is is if your variegated iris, um, uh, if you can just loosen it from the soil a little bit, you might be able to get in with a dandelion digger and dig that root out. I think it's just going to be kind of manipulating the plant and getting in there with a dandelion digger and using that. So that's an old-fashioned tool. It's just a, a straight shaft with a little kind of pointed end on it and has a handle on it. You just kind of dig it down by, alongside that root and kind of pop it out. I've got Did one of those. Did you like that? Yeah, I like that. Actually, the radio it's, people can't see it. But. I've got one of those. Uh, oh, yeah. What they call it. It's almost like a pogo stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it works. You pop it in, but there again. We want a video. <laughs> there again, uh, dandelions, uh, on they're the other good. side of the coin, they're good yeah, for various they, other reasons. Yeah, they're a perennial weed, and they're good for bees in the early spring. And But I, don't, I can't imagine you'd want one in your yeah, iris. Not, not there. That would no. look kind of weird. All right, Julie, hang on. We're going to take a quick break here. We have more calls, more text here on our Smart Garden Show every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Here at News Talk 830 WCCO, where the temperature reading is 48 and welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Denny along with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. And we'll uh, get that, uh, yes. that website uh, mentioned before you leave again, too. As again, a great thing yeah, to do on a rainy day like this. to do on a rainy day. Yeah. All right. We have so many texts. Let's see how many we can do a lightning round or something. It's Sounds good. Get some. Uh, I have text that says a maple tree that was transplanted 10 years ago. Two years ago, a major branch died and the rest of the tree was fine. This year, about three weeks ago, all the leaves went brown within two days, three days. I'm wondering what happened. Well, I'm not sure what happened. It wasn't rain, that's for sure. doesn't say where he is, but um, uh, but it, I'm a wait-and-see kind of person at this time of year because lots of things happen to plants that are not going to affect them next year necessarily. So I would wait and see, and in the spring, if the tree does not leaf out, or it leaves out very poorly, the leaves are small, or it only part of it leaves out, it might be time to replace that tree. It sounds like when you lose a major branch, that's a lot of photosynthetic material, so a lot of leaves that are creating energy and sugars for the rest of the tree. So um, it could be that it just took a while for the result of that branch being damaged and dying um, to affect the rest of the tree. So just wait and see. Okay. Is it okay, Texter wants to know, to eat raspberries that have yellow rust on them? They might not taste very good. Mm. They might be a bit bitter or sour. Um, I don't think it's going to hurt you, but I don't think it'd be very pleasant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's another text that says, I bought a Meyer lemon tree in the spring, which was on the south deck until this week. It's now in the south window. Lower leaves are 
yellowing, but the sweet-scented blossoms are opening. Ooh, nice. Wondering if it will completely defoliate. So one thing to, to remember about houseplants is when you're moving a plant from outside, inside, you're changing the light, the moisture, the temperature, and your plant has been growing leaves that are suitable to the outdoors all summer long. Now you move it indoors with all those changes, those leaves are not going to uh, be sufficient. They're, they're, it's going to need to, it's going to drop those leaves and it's going to refoliate uh, leaves that will grow better in those lower light conditions. So I just pick up the leaves, uh, the crunch them up. They smell really good, by the way. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just keep watering it and fertilize it as well. Uh, here's a text that says, my approach to our lawn has traditionally been wait for an issue to come up and then react. <laughs> I'd love to be a little more proactive. Is there an uh, online, uh, available online, uh, that uh, lists what I need to do oh, when yes. and should I go uh, do it throughout the year to have a healthy lawn? Yes. Oh, what an excellent question. Uh, I'm going to refer you to our lawn section on our extension yard and garden page. And one of the first things on that page is the uh, lawn care calendar. And that is a list of the dates or approximate timing to do different things for your lawn from April through probably, I think, through November because of dormant seating. So take a look at that. And maybe that's something you want to print out and hang in your you know, workshop or your garage or put on the refrigerator and, uh, and make note of the timing to do different things. So great. Excellent. Good question. Thank you. Uh, Good morning. Texture says I have an eight to 10 inch diameter autumn blaze maple that in the last month has developed a deep two foot split in the bark going all the way down to the wood underneath. Is there anything I should do? Well, that's an interesting timing for that. Usually we see what are called frost cracks in the, um, in, in the winter, in the late winter, But uh, something has caused that plant to split. Um, If it's very deep like that, you can do a couple things. You can wait and see if it it heals itself. You could call in an arborist, a certified arborist, to take a look at that tree and make any recommendations. They are well-versed in tree care and situations like this. And Or you could take the tree out and replace it with another one. So there are kind of three choices for you. If you want to find an arborist, we do have an excellent publication called How to Hire a Tree Professional on our Trees and Shrubs section of the Extension website. Which is, again? Extension.umn.edu. And click on, you go to Yard and Garden, and then go to Trees and Shrubs. Very good. Here's a text question that says, can an oleander tree uh, be brought in for winter and a hibiscus too? Yes, they both can. Again, just like I mentioned with the Meyer lemon, expect that they're going to drop a lot of leaves. Hibiscus right now are, are actually, they, they bloom nicely in the house. They're a great, great plant. Uh, when you have house plants, I just want to emphasize that when you bring them in from outdoors, you want to really look them over well. You want to wipe off the pots, especially the bottom of the pot, under the rims at all, uh, to wipe out any insect eggs or you know anything that, that may have uh, collected under their cobwebs, dirt, debris. Clean off the soil. You might want to do some pruning of the plant so that it's got a better form. Um, I know that when I would bring my big hibiscus in every year, I would cut about a third of it off after it stopped blooming uh, because it would just be too big for my room. And... And you want to put it in a sunny window. You might want to transplant it as well. That would give you some nice, clean, fresh soil, 
uh, won't have any insect issues in there. And then you want to just water it and uh, and keep it in a sunny spot. A texter uh, just missed what you said, Julie, about mowing and mulching the leaves. It was something that she quoted from Sam. Uh, would you mind repeating that? Oh, so mowing uh, weeds is one of the things that you can do to keep weeds uh, in check uh, because you're cutting off some of that photosynthetic material, the leaves, the tops, the flowers, and it's going to reduce the vigor of those weeds. Now, they mentioned mowing leaves, I think, and that's something you can do too. If you set your uh, mower, if you mow over leaves that are on your lawn and you mow them into the smallest pieces you can, so it might take several times mowing over those leaves, you can leave a lot of that leaf mulch on your lawn, and it will break down and work its way into the soil. You don't want to do that if you have tons of leaves. Yeah. You want to rake up some of them, but you can you can kind of keep mowing. As long as your grass is mo- growing, you should keep mowing. There's your rhyme for the day. Yeah, as soon as it dries out, you get, <laughs> That's right. you get to as it. As soon as it dries out. Texas says, good morning. Is there anything that can be done for trees whose roots are surfacing, and what causes this? Well, you mentioned well, that's like maples. Just the, that, yeah, that's just the, the plant maturing, and uh, surface roots are uh, somewhat problematic because, first of all, they're a tripping hazard if you have kids or if, you have, uh, if you're working around in your yard, but there's nothing to do about them. You don't want to bury them because that will uh, create uh, a poor growing environment for those roots. They're supposed to be out in the air like that, the, those big roots. And uh, so the best thing to do is to mulch around them. You can interplant between them, shade perennials, for example, but to mulch those uh, roots so that you're not having to mow that area. You're you're not going to trip over them because you're going to that mulch is going to signal, you know, don't don't walk in here. And it's also going to hold in moisture for the, for the roots that are just below the surface of the soil, which take up a lot of water and supply that to the rest of the trees. So there's nothing to do. You can't cut them off. You, can't, you don't want to be mowing them and damaging them because that can also open them up for pathogens. We have about a minute to go. Should I cut back my hostas before winter? Uh, that's a you personal don't. choice. I don't. I'm kind of lazy at this point. I let them just die back. I consider it to be natural mulch. And I just clean them up in the spring. But I have a friend, uh, my friend Kathy, she cuts her hostas back every year. She likes a nice, tidy yard. Ah, you know, six, one half dozen. Yeah, tomato, tomato. (laughs) All right, we've got to go. But again, let's give us that uh, U of M website. Uh, Extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden. You can also just use the search, uh, search window and type in whatever you're looking for. And get to the Arboretum. Get to the Arboretum, absolutely. And when do we hear the abiders play? The abiders are playing November 9th at the Tonka Brew Fest. It's a fundraiser for the West Tonka Rotary. And when is that now? November November 9th, 9th. Saturday, okay. 3 to we... 6. And you can go to tonkabrewfest.com. You can remind us again that uh, again. Oh, before. Yeah. You'll be back, I'll right? I'll be back on the second. I'll be back next week. All right, good. Well, All we'll right. look forward to that. Thank Sounds you, Julie. Good. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.